Okay, so it is a quiet Zoom night, huh? We got four people tuning in. Well, I think more will join or else it's just a small party of us. But either way, I'm really excited for tonight, as I say at the start of every lesson, um, because as I was writing today's notes, I, as you know, I'm a big fan, found another acronym to use. So in case we needed anything else to remember as an acronym, we're going to learn another one today because the name of the game is having fun with food. If you've ever received that baby step from me, you know, it's probably the most irritating baby step you could get. Who agrees? Tell me in the chat. <laughs> Who's been personally irritated by the have fun with food baby step? And now that, that can bring up a bunch of things too. That can bring up an area where we can talk about trauma, where we can talk about how, you know, past disordered eating habits play in. And I can even have a client sometimes who thinks they're right, you know, right as anything, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And they don't even realize that what they've been dealing with for most of their life is disordered eating. So the concept of having fun with food, it's not uncommon for people to get pissed off when I give this baby step, because it's like so foreign that it's upsetting. Has anyone ever felt that way before? That the concept of enjoying food, of having fun with food, of loving the taste of food, it's like not for not for us. Like that that has felt or maybe still feels like a foreign concept or something that is kind of like a a Hallmark card, you know, like sounds nice, warm and fuzzy, but that's not reality. Who's felt that way? I know I did for the longest time. You know, I thought that, you know, I was too fat to enjoy food, point blank. I thought like it was bad of me. You know, if I wanted to actually like the taste of something or if I wanted to um, just crave something, you know, not even if I wanted to, if I craved something, I felt dirty for it. Like, like I should know better. What the hell does that have to do with wanting a chocolate chip cookie? They're delicious, right? So it's kind of like that simple luxury of just something tasting good. We feel like we're not allowed to have that because if we have that luxury, we're gonna go off the rails. Let's see, yep, from Chelsea, Francesca, I've definitely experienced frustration trying to find replacements and being annoyed at people who speak of cauliflower pizza like it's real pizza. It will never be real pizza. If you're into cauliflower crust, great, but it ain't pizza. I get it. I love cooking, but food was always something that was supposed to be restricted, right? Because it's bad. Like if you want to eat a ton of something, if you want to nosh, if you want to just go in on it, like, oh, indulge. We've, we've always kind of been taught, whether you had parents who were very outright in judgment and how the, and I see that all the time, or you have parents who just subtly were like, that's bad. That's not healthy. It's like, we've, if you think about it, it's, it's mind blowing. We've never been allowed to have an intuitive relationship with food. And now I'm not, I know intu intuitive eating can be, a, I don't know, what is it? Uh, like a hype word these days, you know, it's just, it's not the right word, but um, a buzzword. It's a buzzword these days. But I mean, intuitive eating is ridiculous. It's just living. I, I love using my Greek centurions for this, right? The, the hundred, the fact that the country is not fancy by any stretch of the imagination. You know, um, my mom 
was born in Greece. So, you know, I know firsthand, like they have had some really rough times and they got people living for a long ass time. And I always think to myself and rein it back in, do they give a shit about their calories? You think those old people who are like walking to get their fish or their bread or whatever for the day, like, now granted, there's so much different with our lives, but if you think about it, they can manage to eat whatever the hell they want at that time. And they just know what to eat, how much to eat, whatever, right? That feels foreign because we think if we have intuition with food, it, we're going to go off the rails. It's going to be the end of the world. But that doesn't mean that just because we're not hating ourselves into not enjoying food, that we're ignoring things that we know are good for us. Like the two don't have, you don't have to either be restricted, super health focused, super, you know, kale and chicken only, or eating like, you know, sweets all the time, drive through all the time, this all the time. We, we can pick. So the goal of today is not to force you to feel into like intuitive eating. That might be a confusing concept. Now, I don't like to put a label on it. I just want people to not have to think so much about food, you know, but my goal for today is that we go over food in a way that shows you that the things that I'm going to suggest to you or the differences that we make, it's not because we're trying to give you the diet replacement. It's not because we're just trying to give you the less fattening version. It's because these things that, that you eat that make it worse for you exist and other things that taste great and don't do that also exist. And if you have those options and you do enjoy what it is you're eating and you feel better, it's like, it becomes a no brainer. But as we've all known, there's a lot of mindset interwoven into that. So when I give someone the baby step of having fun with food, we're going to get into what the hell that is today. Okay. And I see here, I hate cauliflower there. I said it. I hate cauliflower sometimes. It just smells like farts a lot, like broccoli, but not like broccoli smells like farts, but you also know it smells like broccoli. Cauliflower is just very convincing. Um, and I think it's just really annoying how much it's just really shoved down our throats. Or I'm like, this is frozen yogurt. There's no way this is cauliflower, you know, stop, stop making things with cauliflower. Um, so I agree, <laughs> but anyway, let's get into it. So that wonderful acronym I was talking about, I want you guys to think of the term VAT, V-A-T-T, VAT, okay? What that stands for, yeah, I guess I should type it here, right? VAT, we got vessel, we got access, we got taste, and we got texture. So, from some of you guys have never heard this stuff before who are in here. And some of you have been with me for a while. You've heard me talk about each thing individually. So whether you are in KGG and you're, you know the, this well, or whether you're a newbie, what are your thoughts off the top? When I list off the, what that is and why it's important to, you know, staying the course with having the options that don't hurt your hormones or hurt you, but that you feel like you have more options food-wise. What do you gather before I even get into the details from this being what my acronym is comprised of? Vessel, access, taste, texture. What does it mean to you? Okay. 
my neck is like stuck. You can kind of see the nerve that's just like pulsing. Do you see that? That's not because I'm like lifting and swole, but <laughs> if you see me moving like Tin Man, thank God for standing desks. But what does it mean to you? There, oh, we're still talking about cauliflower and I'm here for that. But <laughs> what do you guys think? Those of you who don't know what a vessel is, what do you think a vessel is? Because that's my favorite thing. Every time I explain it to someone, people are like, oh, but we never think about it in terms of comprising a meal. All the things that can slash might influence our food choices. Yeah, absolutely. So all that basically is comprised of what, why we want a food, why we like a food, what makes it a staple. Have you ever made something that you tried it and you're like, oh, I'm going to make this. This is going to be a staple. You may, if not, that's what we got to work on. You know, it is not about trying to make some new, like, I mean, I'm all for finding a recipe and wanting to do it as it says, start to finish, but that's not realistic for every day. <laughs> you know, it's not realistic to have to like break your thumb, scroll into the bottom of a recipe online and go get all the new things that you don't have in your house, get it at home, use a tablespoon of each thing and like make it one time. That's fun. That's great for a special occasion. If you remember from the last um, video, the lust list, it's important to plan that out and do that and you know, try new things, but it's not gonna be an every day. Your every day has to be comprised of staples. The things that become your repertoire, your go-to, your just, you had to pull something out of thin air that, you know, you could whip together. That's how you end up. And if you notice that a lot of the common ones, people are like, it's all about convenience. That's why I go for hormonally unfriendly stuff, right? So you might be like, why the hell is access in there? It's important. It's important. So let's break this down. Okay. Vessel. The vessel is the thing that brings the flavor to your mouth. So the vessel is like the bread, the pasta, the rice, the, uh, just the thing, you know, the, I'm trying to think, like if you, even if, let's not even think carby, a stuffed avocado, the avocado thing itself would be the vessel, the literal vessel that it's contained in. So uh, the sandwich and a bread is usually the easiest thing to think of, right? So how many times is that usually the hormone unfriendly thing? Whether your baby step is um, gluten, whether it's sugar, whether it's carbs, whatever the case may be, a lot of times it, we narrow down to the bread, the vessel, right? Or the pasta, the rice, the thing like that. So you know my stance, it's not to cut things out entirely, but the more options we can have, the less restricted we feel. So finding a vessel that is hormone friendly, that you enjoy. It doesn't have to be, you know, I mean, obviously there's gluten-free low carb bread, there's gluten-free low carb pasta, you know, all that stuff exists, but it's, I see someone right here, Kathy, the portobello mushrooms as a pizza are a staple in my house. I love that. I got portobellos in my, uh, my fridge right now, you know? So it's just, you slop them together and throw it in the oven. You know, those are the best, especially when it tastes good. Doesn't it, when something's easy and it tastes really good, isn't it like even tastier in your opinion? Like even it's even better. So the vessel, honestly, also think of the application of the vessel. 
So if you're trying to, let's say, looking back at the other baby steps in the series, if you haven't watched them yet, go check them out. I'm serious. Um, but if you think about um, replacing the bread because you're trying to um, cut down on carbs or whatever, whether it's gluten or carbs. Uh, yeah, sorry, my brain is shot, if you can't tell. You want to think about, okay, why do I pick bread? Like, why is that the thing? I eat bread every day at lunch. Why is that? Is it because you literally don't want to sit there with like a fork and knife at your desk so you have a sandwich? Because that's a real thing to kind of formulate around. Maybe you do straight up need a bread replacement and not something more fun. Are you able to, to, do you want to take a break at lunch and have a little bit more of an experience? So maybe your vessel will be a little more involved. Thinking about this part of the meal as what's best for you, what you want, you know, you add the bonus of that not making things worse for you. And it feels like a win, right? Like it feels like, hmm, damn, okay. I like this sandwich and I'm not gonna need to take a nap as soon as I'm done eating it. So figuring out your vessel, um, but to that, you know, that extent, you might be sitting there like, what kind of fancy vessel could I make at home for lunch? I love, I love just using romaine as a boat of some kind and making some fun filling for the inside. You know, you can do shrimp salad. I really like that. Um, you could do like a buffalo chicken salad and, and have a ton of them. I'm not saying have like three little remote romaine boats, have a whole freaking plate, you know, but it, there's something fun about how you eat your food, if that makes sense. Maybe that's my neurodivergence, but whatever. So access, if it takes, okay, if you have no appetite, this is a huge one. I want you to write this down. Stop planning on doing the most. If you have no appetite, you have to be in like hack mode. Like it has to be that I just need to find a way to get what I need without it being this long contrived process. Because if you have no chemical appetite, due to your hormone imbalance. You're gonna have no drive to stop what it is you're doing and how many of you guys can relate. Stop what you're doing, stop being productive, stop the role that you're on or the stress bubble that's about to like pop and go eat something. It feels like a distraction. It feels like a chore, it feels like it's the last thing I wanna friggin' do, right? That's hormonal. So in those cases, having something that is literally done, grab and go, just that's it. That is super important. If you don't, if you can't think of something that you would like, that's like that text me or your coach. And that's an obstacle to troubleshoot and figure out finding a fun, easily accessible thing that doesn't, isn't a chore to eat. You want it to be so painfully easy to eat this thing that it's like taking medication because there's no other, you know, motive when you're not wanting to eat, you know? So those of you who it's not about appetite, um, I want you to tell me if you have an obstacle that prevents you from having access to the food throughout the day, type it in the chat. But some of the common ones I hear is also work, just for those who do not work at home and you work in an environment where you can't stop, take, you know, especially throughout the pandemic with the mask situation, it wasn't always conducive to stop being able to eat, you know? Um, but finding a way to kind of flank the times you're completely unavailable to eat with as much of a calorie punch as possible. That's the way you wanna think of it. You wanna think of it as out, outsmarting the situation almost. 
So what can you have that's fun and easily grabbable that you can have? Because you just literally like turn around and like shove a couple. I, I love Brazil nuts. You know, you turn around, shove a couple of Brazil nuts. Two is 100 calories and you're done. Right. So. But access to delicious foods when you don't have an appetite, how the hell are you going to have fun with food when you're too tired, when it's hard to find and hard to get a hold of and you have no appetite? Have, I know it's going to sound crazy, but some of you might have a bottle in your purse. So I don't know, but have a favorite seasoning, dressing, whatever, preferably a dressing, because if you don't have an appetite, you notice how things are drier. You're just like, it's like gummier. It's more literally a chore to eat. So adding something like a dressing or some kind of a sauce, ketchup, something, um, it seems like a really simple trick, but it adds some, it makes it easier to eat. It's more palatable. So questions about anything so far? Let me see what we said in the chat. I'm not sure about the vessel bit unless I am the vessel, <laughs> but access feels like prepared mind, like prepared mind. So we're not limiting ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that too. So you can prepare like meal prep physically. It's not my favorite, but I like what you said there. You need to like mentally prepare for what you're going to have. I was talking to a client today her structure is that, um, she takes meats out of the, or she buys new meat. Like she goes to the store after work on the way home. It's easiest for her to do this Mondays and Fridays. So on those two days, she's going to buy meat to keep in the fridge on Wednesdays, midweek, when like anything you're going to keep longer than that's probably not going to be great if you leave it in the fridge, but on Wednesdays, she's going to take something like have an alarm on her phone that morning to take something out of the freezer. So it sounds weird, right? But kind of even just taking the mental steps to prepare the access to the food. If you if you're you have a crazy day, if you have decision fatigue when you get home, all of that, it takes that extra step out of it. So if you can think about it during the day, like every day, every morning, the second part of that is she's gonna think about how am I making the meat that I have at home? You know, you can do this with whatever, but if you eat meat or not, of course. But, um, you know, hers is how am I going to make it? What kind of method am I going to use to prepare it? Which we'll go over a little bit today. Um, but having that mental preparedness definitely helps for sure. Let's see. Okay. So. Taste. Okay. Taste. Now this seems easy enough, right? Here's something I'm going to really, I cannot emphasize enough. Season your food. Season your food, add more. Now, granted, if you try it, you're like, don't add more, but it is so hard to get there unless you douse the shit out of your food and salt. It is very hard to have over like a really too potent kind of thing going on. I mean, again, if it's not like covered and drenched, like the cap fell off with something, it's really not as easy as we might fear to over season something. It is extremely easy to under season something. And None of us have to be professional cooks here. You know how many times I hear people say, I hate cooking. And it's probably because they messed up a couple meals. It's boring. They're afraid it's high pressure and they cannot stand that the outcome after all of that is kind of subpar. Who relates? It's okay. Who remembers that kitchen confidence series I did a while ago? That I'm actually, I'm gonna ask Evie to bump that in the, in the uh, Facebook page. But Kitchen Confidence is a really good series that goes into that in depth. But 
if we're cooking something, you know, like it's not going to be as good as a restaurant, right? But we can try. So I'm not going to, I'm really going to try not to insult people with the following two points. Okay. Because I don't, I mean, I've been cooking for myself since I was eight and I went to culinary school. So I'm also not, you know, it's not lost on me that I have a slight leg up in this department. So the thing I cannot stress enough, if you want to get to know everything about the flavors of something, the texture of something, and it starts from a very simple place on Netflix, watch salt, fat, acid, heat. I finally got the title correct. So um, salt, fat, acid, heat. It's a series, like a limited series based on a book, which I have not read. I've seen the series only. Um, but it breaks down each episode, the different components of how the final food becomes itself, you know, the fat component to it, like oil um, and butter. And oh my God, it's so good. Um, it's such a decadent series. I love it. But it's it's kind of enlightening. It makes you, it makes you have almost like a respect for food, like um, I don't know. If you were to watch a travel show about Italy when you've newly fallen in love with someone, I feel like that's how I feel when I watch that show each and every time. Maybe I'm a freak. I highly recommend. It just explains how everything kind of comes together to form that final delicious result. Um, and it teaches you some stuff. You know, it's, it's really, really cool. The salt episode, especially. So when you get food at a restaurant, it is loaded up with neuro exciters all the time. I mean, and I'm not talking just MSG. If you've seen like places that are like no MSG and you've ever wondered like, what the hell is that? Um, so a lot of restaurants use different versions, different types of neuro exciters, like salt. We've been using salt forever. Sugar, MSG, you know, we want to avoid that obviously. Um, but what a neuro exciter does when in the form of taste is it overstimulates the taste buds. So when something has a very like punchy, like really good, salty, sweet, whatever kind of flavor to it, um, your taste buds are reacting really intensely. And the way that that happens is it's just connected to your brain. And that's how you're able to register taste. It's how you're able to release serotonin when things taste really good, you know, and things like that. So sometimes certain types of neuroexciters can overstimulate those connections. And you need to stimulate them the same way going forward to have the same effect. So those of you who had sugar as a step, has your taste changed at all? Like when you go back to eat something that used to be your absolute favorite, like, oh my God, I keep, I love it. I crave it. It's so sweet. And then you give up, you find other sweet, you know, alternatives or whatever. And then you go back and try that thing. You ever notice it's, it's too much. It's almost an overwhelming kind of taste. That overwhelming taste is because your taste buds start to reacclimate to not being overly excited all the time. Okay. So that being said, when you eat at a restaurant or takeout or whatever, and I'm going to show you how to, you know, tweak and convert everything, whatever, but it's loaded with salt at the minimum. So of course you're going to make your piece of chicken and you're going to compare it to the one you got at like the friggin' Blarney Stone Inn or whatever. And you're going to be like, this chicken sucks. It's dry. It don't taste good. It has no taste, you know, whatever. I put salt. I put, I put the seasoning, the, 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 New Orleans chicken rub, you know, mix that has a label that looks like, I don't even know, you know, like a glow at a rave. Yeah. It's like the craziest shit they make for food. 
and it doesn't do anything to it. Why? Because we're just like, you know, and it doesn't just have to do with the things we add to it after the fact. You have to cook it in flavor too. So, and I'm not talking marinating. When you are using butter, when you're using oil to make something, that it's okay. It's not bad to use those things. And it changes the flavor composition of something. That's what you're getting at a restaurant. You know, so between the salt, between the oil that's used to cook it or the fat source that's used to cook it, that's all coming together to give you that mouthfeel, that experience that when you're making it at home and you're trying to be healthy and everything. And I've been there, my boiled ass chicken, you know, um, you're not like a slob because you notice that it's not as good, you know? So, okay. Um, what do I got here? By the way, I'm not trying to say that salt is not bad for anybody. Like if you eat a ton of salt, you better make sure you drink a ton of water because it'll affect your blood sugar. Uh, I'm sorry, your blood pressure could affect your blood sugar if you're dehydrated enough as a type one. Um, you know, it affects just the, your water retention. Um, you will see the puffiness on you. And it's that's a trigger, at least for those of us who have lived that life. Um, so all in all, I love salt, but just make sure you're compensating with extra hydration if you're having like a salty meal or even just like pickles or olives or anything like that. Cheers. So, um, okay, what do I got here? Okay, I wrote here in big letters, this is the work, okay? This is not a chicken and kale program. This is a, I want you to broaden your horizons program. I want you to taste things. I want you to find new things that are, you're excited because you can't believe that that's, it's that easy. It's that good. And you can have it. You know, I want you to put the work into finding those things for yourself because I could give you suggestions till I'm blue in the face, not for nothing. I haven't really eaten gluten in like 10 years. I don't know. I don't remember what the hell a bagel tastes like, you know? So I might not be the best representative for things that you want to just forget you can't have, but I can suggest things that, that taste good. And I can suggest avenues to find other things. And I want you to also match that, put that work in because I've tried a million things and a lot of it I haven't liked. And that's personal to me. I can taste stevia out of something a mile away. I have clients who like stevia, you know? So really this isn't the chicken and kale and cardio every day kind of work in this program. The work, I know, rough life. The work in this program is, I want you to find food that you like that doesn't make you feel like shit. So look up recipes, look up different things that just sound interesting or yummy to you. Um, look on Pinterest. Those of you who follow me on Pinterest, I have low carb love. It's a huge Pinterest board I've had for years. I have to add more to it. It's been a while since I've pinned stuff, but um, my point, dig, dig, find stuff that seems interesting, try it. If it sucks, toss it, try something else. This is what I did as well for years. And now you might be like, oh, it must be nice. You know, Miss Moneybags over here. I haven't, I haven't had, like, I used to live on canned food. Like it was, it wasn't like this, you know, I didn't, I wasn't able to renovate my house and like enjoy bougie hormone friendly foods forever. So fine, put the, but I wanted to like what I was eating. It had to be easier. So put that work in, you know, um, little tip though, to save money, that being said is quarter or half your recipes that you're testing. Don't make a full batch because it's, if, if it sucks, 
but you know, you made a quarter of a batch in case it sucks, you're prepared. You're not going to be pissed off that you have to throw it out. But if you make it, how many times I've made a full batch of something and forced myself to eat it. And it was like, gross, (laughs) but I'm like, I'm principle alone. Like I'm not throwing it out. That's not how it has to be for us. This can all be way more pleasant. Okay. But don't give up because you find one thing. It's not as good as the other. You're shooting yourself in the foot. That's what's leading to the restrictive feeling. That's what's leading to the pressure on failing or not. And that's what's leading to you saying, screw this when it doesn't work and going back to the things that hurt you. So keep putting the work in and finding yummy ass foods that don't make you feel sick. Okay. And you got lots of people here to support you and help you do that. So I wrote here, you know, try seek out different cultural foods too. You know, watch different travel shows, watch food travel shows. Um, look up the most popular, you know, dishes in random ass countries or whatever. Look up the spices they use. I have tried the weirdest spices and stuff because I'm like, oh, okay, well, this is like $3 for a packet of it. Let's see what this tastes like. And I found some things that I absolutely love that way. Um, you know, so really just try to think of it as good, a good thing for your hormones to broaden your horizons in that aspect. It doesn't mean you're going to be, you know, tearing it up in the kitchen, even if it's just flavor. Okay. And then the last one here, the big one, before we get into takeout hacks, texture. So texture is huge. Um, Tell me in the chat, what texture do you absolutely hate? Everybody has a food they hate for the texture. What is your one food you absolutely hate? Oh God, slimy. Why did okra immediately comes into my mind? And I know if you make it right, it's not slimy. Well, I've had too many slimy okras to give a shit. Honestly, I can't eat them. I hate them <laughs> so bad. Or have you ever had, anybody ever had, try a parsimon before it's ripe enough? And then your teeth feel like you're wearing a sweater for the rest of the day and it's, can't do it overcooked eggs, overcooked boiled eggs, where it's like a pencil eraser. Um, oh, wait, real back, back to Kathy's comment over here. I found switching to a high quality butter no, and you notice a difference with your own cooking. Absolutely. I, okay. I felt like it's not just the hair, which I just realized is strikingly similar, but my, what's her name? Ina Gar- Garten, Ina Garten, I don't know, however the hell she says it, but that woman with the hair like this that lives in like New England somewhere and like cooks, <laughs> I felt like her. We went to Massachusetts and found this like little chef store um, and they had like all different types of butter from different parts of France. And like they had feta from the island of Lesbos in Greece. So it was lesbian feta. Like I was like, I was just buying little pieces. I was like, I feel like in a garden right now, but I digress. It absolutely makes a difference. High quality butter. Yep. High quality salt, high quality. Like if you, you don't have to spend a lot, but if you want to be bougie, there's a reason. <laughs> so, you know, find splurges. Maybe that's something you can plan out, like dig up some snobby ingredient you can use and, you know, every once in a blue moon, try and have fun with it. I love it. But yeah. Okay. So back to the slime and the overcooked eggs and all the shit that we don't like. So texture is huge. For me, it's something that's gummy that I'm not expecting. Um, Particularly like meat 
I relatively need no texture with meat. Like for me to be able to eat meat, it, like I, I can't, people yell at me for this because as much as I say I'm a culinary snob, I can't do steaks if they're too rare. I can't do too rare meat. It, it, it does something. I can't texturally handle it. I don't care if I'm at a Michelin star restaurant and they only got cloth napkins, I'm going to spit it out or I'm going to gag at the table. So texture is important. So before I make my next point and totally contradict this, honor that. If you know you have certain things that really, it makes you feel like you want to puke eating it, it's not enjoyable. Do not think for health culture that you need to. Mm -mm. Don't sit there and gag as you try to, you know, how many times have you eaten something for a diet and because of it, it's left you with PTSD where you can't even stand the taste of it because you ate it to such exhaustion, even though you didn't like it, that now it's like, it's burned into your brain and you just, protein shakes for me. I cannot stand it. That farty taste, I can pick it out of anything. Mm -mm. So whatever it may be, don't do it in, ex in an excessive form. Again, the moral here is to love what you're eating, have fun with what you're eating. So if something's going to be a huge texture trigger, screw that. But on the other side of that, <laughs> learn how to make it right. <laughs> so I don't want to sound like an asshole saying that because I've had to check myself as well. But I actually did this with venison. I didn't make it correctly. And I really thought that I absolutely hated venison until I tried it made correctly. And I was like, this is amazing. And I hate myself for liking it because I'm not like, I'm thinking of the, the dough idea, you know, the whole scene, my cousin Vinny. Um, but I learned how to make venison and I liked it. So if it's fish, that's a big one. I see, I talked, I was talking to a client today who might be watching. I can't see if she's on right now, but um, about fish in this regard. And different fish require different methods of cooking it, different times, different temperatures. This is where we feel like cooking is easier than baking. I would disagree. I think cooking stands to like, yeah, okay, maybe it's easier to not have something that's a total disaster in cooking. But I'm not, you know, it's not that easy to make something good <laughs> either, you know? So you gotta learn the basics learn how to make something, how you like it. For me, the best trick ever, and it's something I do on anything, vegetables, meat, whatever it is that I make, caramelizing it. So I'm gonna try not to go and tangent on this because again, cooking nerd, I could talk forever about this. Go look at the kitchen confidence videos because I went in depth as I was cooking, if anyone remembers those days. But caramelizing something is the action where if you apply high heat to something, seems simple enough, it burns the outside, right? But it's not just burning it. What it's doing is it's cooking off the surface liquid, the, the liquid component that's on the outside. By cooking that off, it leaves behind the flavor. The, the, the water aspect of it is the part that is the bland, there's no flavor to it. Whatever's left behind continues to be intensified without having the excess water in it. So if you've ever seen them say to like on recipes to reduce something, um, boil until it's like half reduced to half the size, anything like that, that's because you're literally cooking off the excess water that's in it so that the flavor that remains in the concentrated version, I mean, that's what makes it concentrated, okay? So 
when you are cooking the outside of something, you like steak, let's just go there. You want to sear a steak whenever you're making one. Um, now, searing it is having a hot ass pan meet the surface of the whatever you're cooking. So it's supposed to sizzle. That's how you know when a sear is going to be made. So you always, always blast the shit out of what you're cooking for just a minute on each side so you can see it dark. That's the caramelization. Besides the flavor part of caramelization, the keeping the moisture inside of whatever it is that you're making while the outside texture gets firm, crispy, there's a nice char on it, maybe a crust even if you're lucky, you know, that seals in the internal moisture of whatever. So if you're having appetite issues, again, moisture is huge. I'm sorry if you hate the word, there's no way around it. But having something you're eating not be dry <laughs> is the way to go because you don't have that salivating appetite factor there. The reason we salivate is because of our appetite hormone. It breaks down our food. Without the desire to eat or break down food because of hormones, why do you need the spit to break down the food? So you get dry mouth, right? So make sure that when you're cooking your meats and you're cooking stuff and you're like, why do I hate my cooking? Blah, blah, blah. Just watch some YouTubes on the process of cooking whatever it is you're making. I have done this in the past. I don't remember the exact times to cook things. I Google it. I'm like, how long for a pork roast? You know? So make sure you put ego aside, relook up just the basic tips on how to make the meat that you're making. Simple, but a huge thing. Um, <clears throat> what did I write this year? I wrote, love you all, but you may be the reason you hate your cooking. <laughs> Not everyone, damn. Okay, so don't be afraid. I said this before. Don't be afraid to cook stuff in butter or oil. So now when you're searing your item, like I just mentioned, if you have an amazing nonstick pan, I don't, I know all the questions about the cancer causing pans. I don't know pans. I just use pans that are in my kitchen and I'm alive, you know? So that's my constant, that's my philosophy with that. But if you have a great nonstick pan and you don't want to use any kind of liquid like butter, oil, whatever, okay, you know, sear it on a dry pan. It's not going to be as flavorful, but my recommendation is put a little bit of avocado oil in the pan whenever you go to sear something. Then, once you've browned both sides, add some butter to it, put a lid on it, turn the temp down, and then cook it slow, low and slow, if you've heard that. That works for me. Like since I found you can do that on any meat, any meat, and it's good. Of course, the time that you're going to cook it with the lid on it is going to differ, and that's what I Google. But um, that basic concept, avocado oil to sear it, butter on it once it's seared, turn the temp down, put a lid on it, cook it slow. Um, I suck at making chicken, just a little fun fact about me, um, because I am always afraid that it is undercooked and everyone's going to get food poisoning, no matter how long I've been cooking it. So Nick is in charge of checking the chicken doneness, or I have to actually cut a piece in half so I can thoroughly inspect it. So if that's you, don't feel bad. I get it. But, um, you know, just keep trying, keep practicing, make it, make one freaking filet at a time, one, whatever it is you're trying to make, make a little bit, test it out. It's worth the work. Okay. So, um, 
Avocado oil is my favorite because it's non, it's not inflammatory. It's not super expensive as a non-inflammatory oil. Um, and it has a high smoke point. So the reason if I'm making a grilled cheese, I'll make it in butter. If I'm cooking a steak, I'm not going to use butter off the jump. I'm going to use the avocado oil first because the longer you cook something at a high heat, eventually it's going to burn. So a smoke point is essentially like a burning point for an oil or a fat. So butter has a very low smoke point. It's going to burn very quickly. If you've ever tried to make pancakes and taken too long and seen your butter turn brown way too easy. So um, be conscious, be conscious of that. You know, avocado oil, super high smoke point. You could deep fry with it. Um, the rest of the deep fryable oils, as much as I said, I don't know about nonstick pans, I do know that a lot of the deep frying oils are absolute garbage. So I would really, and just truly for like, not to be biased or anything, just like what they're composed of, it's horrifying. So text me privately if you wanna know more about that. I would go for avocado oil. I mean, until new shit comes out that says that's awful too, who knows? But from what I've read, that's the best one. Um, ghee, if you do wanna use butter, ghee has a higher smoke point because to make clarified butter, which is ghee, they remove the liquid from it. So that's what makes the smoke point higher. I'm trying to think any others. I mean, you can be gross and save like bacon fat and stuff if you want, I'm gross like that, but. That's not, that's up to you. That's a lot of flavor sometimes. Let's see what you guys are saying on here. Kale or anything that requires chewing my jaw, my jaw off. Okay. So you guys want to hear a funny story about Greece real quick, because I always, I always tout that it's like heaven on earth and it is, it is, but, um, funny story. We went there once. And the first time we were visiting when I was younger, after I had lived there, like lived there as a baby, moved back, was probably about 16 at the time when we actually went back before we started going. And our family friends there to welcome us back um, wanted to give us something familiar. So they went out and they got steaks because we're American. So of course, we're going to want a steak when we're there, which is like the farthest thing. I was like, please, please give me all the seafood all the time. But Oh, I felt so bad. They were so expensive, these steaks, and you could not chew them. The whole table. I'm not joking. I'm not, this is not hyperbole. This is just fact. We all had to spit out the first bite we took because none of us could break down this meat enough to actually safely swallow it. That's how tough it was. It was just a regular steak. But over there, I mean, it's a dry, arid climate. It's not exactly like grazing climate you know, and they don't, they really stick to things that are locally sourced. So just, it's not a trendy thing. That's just the only way they run stuff is just you go buy it and you grow it or you catch it and you get it. Right. So these steaks, seeing you chew your jaw, I don't, I can never not think of that steak incident because it was the craziest thing I've ever experienced. It was like, I wanted to chew it at one point just to see if I could. And I, we all got jaw stiffness and I just spit out the steak. I felt so bad for our friends. They were not happy. Um, I forced myself to eat so many gross foods in the name of health culture. And I know a lot of you guys love oatmeal. I'm not shitting on oatmeal. I don't, I wish I liked it. I hate it. And I feel like that was a health food that because I like wasn't allowed to add anything good to it. Um, you know, I had to eat it like, I don't know, 
Like I made it in a field somewhere, you know, it was the ideal healthiest way. It was awful. And now I just can't get past it because I can't not think of that experience, you know, steel cut with absolutely nothing else. So I can cook chicken, but I can't hard boil an egg to save my life. I don't know why that's like the funny thing about people who can't cook. Who started that? Because I personally find boiling eggs to be tricky. And I feel like it's like the biggest misconception to me is like, oh, you can't boil an egg. I can bake a whole cake and decorate it. Like I can, I can make any kind of meat. I also struggle boiling eggs. I have the method. I have the recipe. I screw it up. I don't know. I don't know. I developed a whole way to make deviled eggs around having to boil eggs because of that. And forget about it with the peeling. They look like, so, okay. Um, what do I got in here left before we move on to takeout? The method in which you use to cook something is going to affect the texture. That's also another thing. So if you are using an air fryer, if you're deep frying it, if you're boiling it, if you're broiling it, if you're baking it, all of these things affect the final result. So maybe have some fun. Maybe if you want to learn how to try and like cook easily for yourself, make it a point to, you know, this week I'm going to try to bake something new. I'm going to try to fry something new. Learn slowly, but intentionally in that way. Um, and then this connects to vessels texturally. So one of my favorite vessel hacks, I didn't mention this before, but if you look in the classroom or the Pudge page or the Facebook page, you'll find the only dough recipe. Those of you who have been with me for a while, since I had a kitchen to cook in, you remember the only dough well. So um, if you need help tweaking this, for food intolerances, text us, but you can totally make the only dough and use it as a vessel for anything. And you can wrap it up, wrap up whatever meat or whatever filling, whatever veggie, I don't know, whatever in the only dough. You can use the only dough as a taco. You can use it as a uh, stromboli. Um, Liz in, um, in the page, she actually showed, she told me she uses an air fryer to, or Dana too, I think air fries, calzones or strombolis. And I think that that's fantastic and amazing. I can't wait to get an air fryer and try that out. But only dough, it's such a, just a good staple to have as a vessel because it's a lot of fun. You can really play around with it. So, okay. Take out. So I wanna know, so I get a better idea of how I can give you guys the most value in this topic because I have my main, my basic points, but I've been doing this for so long. I have so many hacks. So what is your go-to takeout? No shame here. I don't want no, I don't want no sad face emojis. I don't want no, like, oh, I've been bad. I don't care. Just tell me what you get from takeout that needs tweaking. Tell me in the chat, what do you usually get? Um, Or just, yeah, what do you usually get? What's your favorite? What's the hardest thing for you to replace? Give me a, an idea of, what, of how I can direct this better here. Because the idea is whenever you're doing takeout to not say like, oh, I can't, oh, I got to go to a place that's gluten-free. You can find gluten-free stuff or lower carb options or whatever at, I don't want to say 100%, like 99% of the places out there. It can be converted. There is a way. Trust me. So um, making it fun doesn't have to mean 
saying no to those foods you like. It's pinpointing the one part of that thing you want to get that is hormonally unfriendly. So if you like, you know, I, I feel like such a sellout saying this, but grilled chicken instead of breaded, get the sandwich made exactly the same way. Put it on your bread, get grilled chicken, get extra bar, uh, buffalo sauce for it. You know, whatever it is you're doing. Um, I'm trying to think what else is a common one. Pizza, what's hormonally unfriendly about pizza for, for I mean, obviously not if you, if you, if you don't have issues with dairy, what's hormonally friendly about the pizza, the crust, right? Who says you can't take the friggin' cheese off the pizza, roll it up, have it on something else, have your own only dough crust. I don't care. There's no shame. Someone's going to judge me for ripping cheese off a of pizza to put on something I can eat. That's not going to make me sick. Judge away, you know, so, and enjoy my pizza. Um, so finding the hormone unfriendly part of the meal and trying to find a hack for that again, with that with looking for a different vessel to stick with the thing, the flavor that you like from that takeout. Wrapping, you know, getting takeout, putting it in the middle of only dough, wrapping it up and baking it, making it a stromboli. You know how many Philly cheesesteak strombolis I've made in my life and I've just ordered a cheesesteak from pizzeria, dumped it out of the bread onto my only dough. So let's see what you guys are saying. Sushi, so sushi is tough. Me and Sushi were not friends uh, at the beginning of this pandemic. I've told you that story so many times, but not just because obviously like I'd gained weight and my symptoms, like my, my skin, everything. I, my insulin wasn't responding the same. So Sushi for me, rice just does that, but Sushi especially. So that's reserved for me for like real worth it moments. But when we order from a Sushi place, I get, um, what's it called? A Naruto roll. So Here's a texture thing. I hate sushi when the fish is in a chunk form. It, I, can't, I can't do raw fish in a big chunk. I can either do it in a very thin strip, you know, or I can do it <coughs> um, kind of macerated. I'm sorry guys, the dust is just crazy. But I do it kind of like, I either have to get like spicy salmon or spicy tuna, something that's kind of mashed and macerated or like, sashimi. I cannot do a chunk. Um, but it's cucumber wrapped sushi. So I love getting like spicy salmon. I'll ask them to put in, um, avocado, cucumber. Um, I, I get the, what the hell's the little orange caviar balls. I, I'm going to remember as soon as it's over, you guys know, but you get whatever you want added to it. Um, but you can get it wrapped in thin cucumber instead. And that's what a Naruto is. It's just rolled in thin cucumber. So it's really refreshing. I love it. It's a mess. I eat it with my hands. Don't try to be dainty. Listen, be dainty with the chopsticks. If you can pull it off, I tried and I ended up wearing my soy sauce. So just have at it in my opinion. But I also like the, um, seaweed salad, but I asked them not to dress it because a lot of times the dressing that they add has a lot of, has sugar in it. Um, so to be able to control that myself, when I get it at home, I just add some sesame oil, some gluten-free soy sauce, and then some sesame seeds to it. And I love seaweed salad. It's full of iodine and uh, iron. It's really, really good. Magnesium as well. So I love me some seaweed salad. That's a weird texture thing. For those of you who don't like very chewy things, I don't know if you'd like seaweed salad. I actually kind of like 
weirdly chewy things. Um, let's see. Sushi, or I go to a local taco truck, corn tortillas, yummy. Um, you can also bring, I mean, again, no shame in my game, Tia Lupita. Type it here, Tia Lupita. Um, tortillas are great. They are, um, cactus. I think they're made from nopal and, and corn. Like it's a combo. So it's like a lower carb tortilla. Um, and they look pretty unsuspecting. So if you're embarrassed at the food truck for being like, can you use my gringo tortilla? You know, just, it's all right. As long as you don't, you're not feeling like crap. Right. So Thai food, love Thai food. I actually said to Nick the other night, I'm like, like we haven't found a Thai place down here yet. Um, I love Thai food. Rice does not agree at all with my blood sugar. Me either. If I have, even if I have gluten-free products, I mean, when, when the diabetics, you know, rejoice, but even if I have gluten-free products that have rice in it, it, it doesn't matter. I could take insulin to a T like perfectly calculated. I could have had beautiful blood sugars all day long, worked out in the morning, you know, been the poster child for diabetic maintenance, a little bit of rice. My body is like <laughs> for days. So it sucks. I love rice, but don't love me. All right. My point, even if you didn't put in your favorite takeout order there, which add it so I can know what to tell you. Um, if you didn't hear, do it in a private text to me, because Again, I don't, I want the moral of this whole video, of this whole series, the baby steps to be, you're not, you're not expected to just not need accommodations, not need tweaking, not have to enjoy what you're eating. Just do it because you gotta. Why? Why? Why do any, why do any of us deserve that? So I hope that you gathered from the baby step series to outsmart that shit the old way of that brute mentality of do it, you know, do it or don't do it. That's never worked. It, it's arguably led us down this path. So now that we're here really building on a foundation of, okay, I know what I need to tweak. I've gone through my baby steps, but now we're at a point where I want you guys to have fun with your food too. I don't want you to live your life in this like rigid way, because if you know how, what you need to eat to serve yourself and your body, the way you need it, you know, you need to, and you know what you're enjoying and it's easy, it's accessible, it's whatever. Everybody's come here because they wanna feel more in control of their body. So I can't think of a better way to do that than to enjoy what the hell you're putting in it and know how to do that. So I hope this has given you guys the, the motivation to seek the enjoyment of flavor, of texture, of, of just food. It's a wonderful thing. We are, and I'm not trying to pull the whole like, you know, old uh, Greek mom guilt trip of, you know, there are people starving in this world, you know, of, of course, but whether you enjoy food, whether you find it utilitarian, whatever that may be, you deserve to call the shots in that relationship. So I hope at the very least, this made you curious to want to broaden your horizons and, you know, be, have some fun with food. Let us know, you know, me, your coaches, you're in your group chats, you know, let us know how we can support you if, you know, you want to try. Okay. So night, everybody.